Good morning. And welcome. All right. So what I invite you to do with me today is join us. Let's come together in the coherence of this moment. And the coherence is that where we enter the unified field more readily. <clears throat> Comes in many names, state of grace, beauty, joy, opportunity, empowerment. Whatever the word opens you up to the truth of your being. Because you are the thing itself, individualized, uniquely beautiful, powerful. You have come here to create, to reveal, to bless, to bless yourself, your family, the world. This is our opportunity. And we can do that right now. It's not about doing, it's about being. And our being in that state determines everything. And so what I invite you to do is just simply relax because the more we relax, the more the truth of our being can be revealed. Trust yourself. Bless yourself. So let's drop into the silence for 30 seconds. I will, I will sing a song that many of you know. If you don't know the song, it's okay. Let the song become the soundtrack of your continued presencing yourself. And then I will offer a prayer. So let's begin with our silence. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So I invite you to allow the, the consciousness that is guiding this prayer, that comes through me, to be meaningful and purposeful in your life and if not let it wash over you but what I know the truth of life the truth of being the truth of this eternal journey the spiritual journey this this human journey the the mosaic of the divine and the material that there is a power and a presence there's a source that animates and supplies all of it that we've come together today and as we recognize that presence and step more fully into it and reveal it through ourselves, become the portal of that activity, we're shifted and changed. There is a healing that takes place, a wholeness that is revealed, not because it has not always been there, but simply because we have lacked the awareness and attention to give it birth. So we midwife that in this moment, and it is in the allowing. It is putting down and monitoring the ideas and the thoughts and the beliefs that have kept us stuck 
in that entrenched way of being perhaps that we've learned enough from and time to move forward, time to move on. Bless it, release it. We are here. We are individualized expressions of the one here to create. We brought everything into our lives to, to amplify and to trigger and to inspire us into either fulfilling what we believe, who we are not, or living from who we know and what we have come here to be, what we have come here to do, and what we have come here to have. So it is in that grace and that beauty, trusting each and every one of ourselves, trusting ourselves, those around us, and trusting the world, and trusting this infinite presence in a greater relationship of creativity, opportunity, guidance, and direction, and love, beauty, health, abundance. I just give thanks. I know this day is blessed in every good way. As I release these words and standing fully and completely with you, grounded in the truth of our being, that there is nothing to fear, but ideas that will bubble up for us that tell us we should fear, and to have the awareness to stand in that, and to be with that, to stand that middle ground of awareness beautifully and powerfully, and know that those ideas are not who we are, but they're simply ideas. For this I give thanks, I release these words and invite you to say with me, and so it is. All right, well, I was, I was traveling last week, and I, I know Pat, uh, Reverend Patrick Harbula was here, so I appreciate his stepping in and being with us. He comes once a year. It's always nice to have uh, Reverend Patrick here, and we have the same birthday, if you didn't know that. Not that that matters, but so if it's his birthday, it's mine. Anyway, I wanted to talk this, uh, today about inclusivity. And inclusivity is really just simply an extension of what I shared with you last month about wholeness. So I wanted to start with this idea of inclusivity because without ownership of our own being, the totality of our own being, and I've done a lot of work on shadow last last month and I want to revisit it because it's so important. And we have some very exciting uh, programming coming around for those that are interested in stepping onto that platform. Because as I look at the world, so if you notice there's a couple leaders of a couple of countries that have very, very powerful weapons and they seem to have this five-year-old conversation going back and forth that is a bit frightening for those of us that would like to see the planet remain in one piece. But it's an example of unresolved shadow, not just with leaders but with countries. So when I look out in the world and I, and I see the, the accusations that go back and forth and this, this posturing and all this stuff, it really is in many ways. Uh, one of the lowest forms of communication and, and ways of being on the planet there is. Uh, you know, that if, if, if someone were to land here from another planet and, and look at us and, and say, as a culture, you know, James Von Prague spoke in Denver when I was there a couple of months or so ago, and, and he's a wonderful uh, teacher, and he's, he's, a, he's got several books written, but he's a, he's a clairvoyant, and he gets up and he does this channeling-type work with people in the audience, and he did some remarkable stuff when we were there, but he, he said, people always ask me, how evolved are we as a culture on this planet? And he always says, not very, not very. We think we can kill one another. We think we can hurt one another. We, we base our, our, our opinions on one another by, the, by the, the religions that we stand with, and we, we use that as our markers that, that, to separate us. Uh, we look at people that, who's, who don't look like us, their skin color may be different, and we, and we judge them, we push them. I mean, it is the history of this planet. And how do we, how do we stand in oneness? Because it's oneness, we're all one. And yet we fight so hard to, sep- to, to live in separation. And it's, it's just gotta, we've gotta deal with it. And we've gotta deal with it in our own lives, in our own hearts, because the inclusivity starts right here for me. 
It starts right here for you as well. So I want to talk about inclusivity is the key to personal transformation. So I want to start with the individual and then we'll branch out throughout the month. But it's so crucial that we are able to look at things in a powerful, deep way. And I've been guided to so many wonderful teachers in, the, in this process. The key to personal transformation truly is inclusivity. Owning all of ourselves, which is, includes those parts we don't like. So today I'm going to just touch briefly on three, three items that I think are, are uh, important. One is welcoming it all. Understanding translation versus transformation. This is very, very important and it's so subtle. And then new learnings. New learning opens the door. It opens the door to many things. So new learning is really important. I have a slide that comes from uh, uh, an African proverb. It says, where there is no enemy within, the enemies outside cannot hurt you. Speaks beautifully to this idea of shadow. And in Robert Johnson's book called Owning Your Own Shadow which I've been immersed in. I've read it uh, two or three times in the last month, and I'm I'm quite impressed by what he has to say. But in in the beginning, he says, the shadow is that which is not entered adequately into consciousness. It is the despised quarter of our being. It often has an energy potential nearly as great as that of our ego. It is, if it accumulates more energy than our ego, it erupts as an overpowering rage or some indiscretion that slips past us or we have a depression or an accident that seems to have its own purpose. The shadow gone autonomous is a terrible monster in our psychic house. So when we look out of the world and we see the, 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 the blaming, the shaming, the projection and the accusations going on, it's just, it's just a larger expression of shadow. And, it's, and, and, and the, the reading that I've been looking at some of the cutting edge people that I admire on this planet right now are all pointing to the same thing. That unless we, as communities, as people that are serious about our spiritual transformation, do this work and do our inventory, we're going to continue to participate. So as soon as I get angry at the leader of North Korea, I am joining Donald Trump in his unresolved shadow work. And I don't want to do that. I want to bring enough wisdom into my life, enough spiritual practice and grounding of my being to realize what he's doing, I recognize for what it is, but I'm not going to let that drag me into him energe- with him energetically. And so it sounds simple, but it's really hard. This is one of the hardest teachings on the planet. Man, I just wish that I could have been a better Catholic altar boy and just stayed put where I was because they just told me everything to think and do and say. And I was going to get to heaven one day. You know, I, yesterday we, we went to, uh, we have this 22-month-old granddaughter, and we went over to, took her to the park. We, she's got a little splash park by her house, and we went over there. And so, you know, and she doesn't know we're coming, and so I get in the door, and, and she loves her grandpa, which I'm very, I, you know, I love her grandpa too, so it's really nice. We, we both love the same person. But I said, we're going to the park, and she said, I'm running, and she was so excited, she was just running up and down in place. She wasn't going anywhere, she says, I'm running, I'm running, and she can barely talk, I mean, she's 22 months, so I'm running doesn't sound like I'm running, but she could kind of make it out, and she was so excited, she just ran in place, and ran in place, and ran in place, and had to get her her splash suit on, and and all that, but I thought, wouldn't it be great if you, you felt like that every morning when you went out the door, I'm running, I can't wait to get out there, I just thought, that's what I want, that's for me, because she hasn't been... She hasn't had life, um, all the things that happen to us. You know, we come here and we fall asleep. But to just look at little Audrey and she's just running and she's just in the bliss of it all. 
Robert Johnson says, we are all born whole. We are all born whole. And let us hope we will die whole. See, the shadow work, if we don't do that, if we don't bring some mechanisms into our lives and disciplines into our lives, and I'm speaking about myself right now, and I'm on a journey of this right now because I know that I cannot teach and I cannot lead in this unless I'm fully invested, which I am. We are born whole, and let us hope we will die whole. But somewhere early on our way, we eat one of the wonderful fruits of the tree of knowledge, just like Adam and Eve. Things separate into good and evil, and we begin the shadow-making process, and we divide our lives. In the cultural process, we sort out our God-given characteristics into those that are acceptable to the society and those that have to be put away. This is wonderful and necessary, and there would be no civilized behavior without this sorting out of good and evil. But the refused and unaccepted characteristics do not go away. They only collect in the dark corners of our personality. And then, as we see with political leaders, we see in our own lives, they bubble up, the energy bubbles up. So how do we manage that energy? And we can. And it's quite simple when we have practice, because when we have awareness, see, when we make the unconscious conscious, all of a sudden, it's a whole new game for us. And then we have practices in our lives. And I'm going to talk about that later on. My, I'll conclude with that today, because I want to share with you uh, what's alive here. So Rumi, good old Rumi, love, love the Rumi. Where's my little poem here? I brought it with me today. Rumi did this beautiful poem that I think articulates this so wonderful, wonderfully. It's called The Guest House. Now here's Rumi, he wrote this back in the 13th century. Yeah, you can almost read it up there. <clears throat> Rumi said this being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Anybody had that experience? Life will deal us up certain unexpected things. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Because, be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. We have come here to have this experience. We've come here to be challenged. We've come here to have our hearts broken, not because we welcomed it, but that's the human condition. And we fall asleep in the, as all the great ancient traditions, the Buddhists and the, the Hindus will say, we fall asleep in this dream of this reality. And then what we get to do is we either get to wake up to it and welcome it all and realize this has come for me too. What's in this for me to know? Carl Jung is one of my, my, my favorite, favorite heroes of the, of the, the, the year. I, and wonderful, wonderful therapist and thinker. And he wrote, he wrote this. He did a speech, actually, to a group of doctors. One of the finest speeches he'd ever done. It's a group of Swiss doctors, and you can Google Carl Jung lecture to Swiss doctors, and you'll find the whole speech here, and I have a portion of it. But he said, we must learn to accept our own darkness if we want to overcome our own neurosis. And he said, what he did, what, what Jung did, is he never condemned things in others. He never condemned things in others. And he would therefore not be led into those thoughts, those feelings, and acts of violence towards others, which are always characteristic of the people who project the devil in themselves upon the outside, upon somebody else, upon the scapegoat. The scapegoat, you know, the Jewish tradition, they'd bring in once a year, they all had their sins, things that they were, the shame, the guilt, and all that stuff. They'd bring this beautiful little goat in, and then they would take turns stabbing it with a knife, and then they'd send it out into the wilderness to die. That was their way, one of the symbolic rituals for them to atone. We're not going to be doing that here. No, there's going to be no goats getting stabbed while we're here. But, but it's the idea of projection. Unless you have a goat that you'd like to, no, you can't bring your goat here. We're going to bless the animals. 
Young said this too, and this is, this is so key to what we represent as practitioners. We have practitioners in this community and people that have really studied and get this. He said, people forget that even doctors, now he's lecturing to doctors, and right from Carl Jung's uh, uh, text, people forget that even doctors have moral scruples and that certain patients' confessions are hard even for a doctor to swallow. Yet the patient does not feel himself accepted unless the very worst of him is accepted too. This is hard. This is hard, hard things to do. No one brings this about by mere words. It comes only through reflection and through the doctor's attitude towards himself and his own dark side. If the doctor wants to guide another or even accompany him a step of the way, he must feel that person's psyche. He never feels it when he passes judgment. So you can't connect in judgment. It's separation. The worst of the worst, and I'll tell you a little story about this in a moment. Whether he makes, puts his judgment into words or keeps them to himself makes it not the slightest difference. It gets conveyed energetically or it gets conveyed verbally. But the patient knows and it shuts everything down. That takes work. That's, what, that's why it takes two and a half years to become a practitioner. I've got practitioner interns right now still working on it. To sit with someone and listen to the story and not get caught by the story. And I tell them, as soon as you, get, you start to take on the story and you start to judge, you can't be the practitioner anymore because you're no longer in service. Because all of a sudden, your opinions, your judgment of that person will not allow that flow of, of grace because that is the presence of God sitting before you. I had lunch about three weeks ago with someone that started at the community and has just gone on to have an incredible career and just got his master's in, in uh, counseling. And we were having lunch, and he looked at me, and this, I mean, to, to watch where this man started to where he is today, and he looked at me and said, if I can't sit with the rapist, and I can't sit with the pedophile, who can? It doesn't mean we endorse rape, and it doesn't mean we endorse pedophile, but that everyone needs to have the worst of themselves witnessed, because that is judged everywhere in our culture. But to be able to free that energy and to allow the grace and the, and the divine life that's within that person, um, expression is transformative. And that's hard work because it's so easy to judge, especially the worst of the worst. And if it's too close to us, we, we have to remove ourselves. But there are people that are, and Young's talking about this. He's telling a group of doctors, and can tell you you can bring yourself to this. You can't help another. You have to do your own work. And I say the same thing for all of us. This is all of our opportunity. Young said to take the opposite position and to agree with the patient offhanded is also of no use because it estranges him as much as condemnation. Feeling only comes through unprejudiced objectivity. Unprejudiced objectivity. This sounds almost like a scientific precept and it would be confused. It would, could be confused with a pure intellectual abstract attitude of mind. But what I mean is something quite different. It's a human quality a kind of deep respect for the facts, for the man who suffers from them, and for the riddle of such a man's life. The truly religious person has this attitude. He knows that God has brought all sorts of strange and inconceivable things to pass and seeks in the most curious way to enter a man's heart. He therefore senses in everything the unseen presence of the divine will. Young goes on, he says, we cannot change anything unless we accept it. See, our acceptance doesn't mean we endorse it. It means that we're here to, as as Agents of transformation, we're here to accept it all. Not to approve of it, not to endorse it, but to stand in a consciousness that allows the goodness that wants to be revealed an, a doorway. That's what Jesus did. You know, why would Jesus keep Judas around? 
What Jesus understood this, I mean, he ta- he's all over this stuff. He's all over the shadow. What Jesus did is he, he allowed all this to go on. Uh, when he was on the cross, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. They knew that he knew the shadow, that unresolved piece of himself, that of, of, of others was being played out. And he stood in it. I don't think he wanted to get crucified. But what did he say? Father, forgive them for they truly do not know what they do. Because they're unconscious. And as soon as you wake up, you have an opportunity to have more information and make a healthier choice. And so we get to do that. Aren't we blessed to have all this information? I'm just, I mean, I'm, everywhere I turn, I'm seeing this stuff. Now that I've opened my heart to this, it's just everywhere. I look. And it's so powerful. So welcome it all, as Rumi said. It's a guest house. Here it comes. This is coming for me, too. Because what happens when it shows up, it triggers us. And when we get triggered, and the, and the process that I'm going to talk about in a few minutes is a way for us to, and Laura and I have been immersed in this now for almost a month. We're doing it every, I do my, my Q process, it's called. And I'll get to that later. But it is a way to look at where we're triggered and use that as spiritual practice and to bring new awareness to it and to re-script. It's very, very powerful. So translation versus transformation. Translation happens when we have a powerful experience and some penetrating insight, but then essentially go back to living our lives the way they were. Anybody ever done that? Anybody gone to the Tony Robbins weekend been, and been inspired? Man, I'm, I'm going home and I'm going to... Whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. And by Tuesday, you can't even remember you left town. That's called translation. We say we are changed, but in practice, we cling to our habitual comforts and adapt and return to what we know. It's so easy to do that. I mean, it's just like water off a duck's back. It's just, and, and this is not criticism. I've been there. I bought the T-shirt when I was there. We went to the last Joe Dispenza workshop, and Joe's doing amazing stuff. And next week, I'm, I'm going to flesh out some of Joe's practices that are so in alignment with this. But I told Laura after the last one, because we've been to two, I said, now I have a lifetime of information to go home and apply in my life. I don't want to run off to another one and another one. And then you become the workshop junkie. I got a stack of CDs of meditations that I'm doing, not every day, but they're all there. And, and that's part of the meditations we're sharing here, because I want you to have that. I'm telling you, you know, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm hammering this is because there is a freedom and there's a possibility. And Dr. Holmes said our tradition is one of freedom. And when we free ourselves, when we don't have any enemies inside of ourselves, there's no enemies out there. And that's the way to be. That's the place to live. And I want that for you because I want that for my granddaughter. That keeps me in the game. <laughs> So translation has a role to play. It tests ego boundaries, and that's the on-ramp. It tests us. It challenges us to a degree much like a good Sunday lesson can. It can cause us to, you know, hopefully you leave here and, and you go over to the second cup or wherever you go, and you, and you think about it a little bit. What was that guy talking about today? I have no clue. But it, but it inspires. It's an on-ramp. It opens a door. True transformation causes the death of certain entrenched aspects of our ego. Because our ego, you see the problem with the ego, do you know what the ego does in this teaching? We bring people in and they're struggling, their life's a mess, they've never been able to get out of their own way. They can't find their car in an empty parking lot if it's the only one sitting there, if you know what I mean. And then we tell people they're, they're God, you're divine, you're the thing itself. Well, when, when they hear that, they think, well, all of a sudden the ego says, hey, you're God. No, you're not. You're, <laughs> you're an aspect of that infinite and you are beautiful and powerful, but you've got to stop acting the way you're, you're acting and thinking the way you're thinking so that that presence that you are can access and, and be revealed. It's not simple. 
But people grab onto this stuff and think, I've got all the answers. Man, I'll tell you what, there's no one answer. There's no one. You don't finally slide across home plate from third base one day. It's ongoing. And that's the beauty of it. It keeps us in the game. More to reveal, more to share, more to live an inspired life. So transformation is different. See, the ego thinks it's God. And all of a sudden, when we move into transformation, what we transform, we evolve. And then we are dealing with true alchemy. We become alchemists. We turn the ordinary into the extraordinary. We take the simple and we turn it into something beautiful. We're not merely shifting surfaces. We become new people, not just changing our clothing. In translation, it's another good idea and another good idea and another good idea. So how do we find simple grounding practices? Part of the Q process, I'm going to outline a little bit at the end here. I'm not going to talk about it all month. Is every day you find something that aligns with what you've decided, you, why you've decided to be here. There's something physical that you do every day to help ground that. It's, it's simple. Cleaning's a really good one, like cleaning out the garage, cleaning the car up. It, it grounds us because our bodies need that. The kinesthetic nature of who we are needs that. It's helped ground it and shift it. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful, powerful tool. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be big. It could be write a, write a, um, uh, a note to someone, a thank you note. Offer an apology. There's things to do to others. There's things for ourselves. Transformation does not happen quickly. We have become so accustomed to change, change being instantaneous that when it takes time, it is part of a larger process. And many times because of that, we become confused and disoriented because it's all different. It's uncomfortable. We need a larger view, a bigger map. And as we're patient with ourselves and have perseverance, the issues that confound us now can touch our deepest feelings, including our anger and our fear are part of the developmental process. So transformation is all about that. It's about the deeper work. It's about, you know, drilling deep. So we welcome everything. And we realize that there are things that I can do to really ground what I want to, to experience and what I've come here to be. What have you come here to be? Have you thought about that? I love, Paula, at the, um, the meditation. What would a happy person feel like? That open-ended question is so powerful. So new learning opens new doors. New learning opens new doors. It's so important that we have new learning, new insights and new awarenesses so that the lights can go on. Because new it expands consciousness. 400,000, 400 billion bits of information available at any one time. And only 2,000 can we process at any one time. We are capable of processing 2,000 bits. There's all kinds of scientific studies that show how we make stuff up because we can't process everything. See, your life, my life, let me just tell you about my life. I've had all kinds of experiences. And many of them, I've written a whole life script about them. And in working this Q process, I've had insights and awarenesses. When I was, I'm going to share you a personal story. When I was four years old, my mother had a lot of children, and another baby came into the house. I was four years old. I wasn't quite old enough. She got me there soon, but uh, I wasn't quite old enough to go to school. And so she asked me to make a sandwich for, for her. She was in bed. She'd just gotten home from the hospital. And so I'm four years old. I've never made anything. 
let alone a sandwich. So I'm like, where's the bread? And I'm, I remember this clear as a bell, and I go and I found the bread, and I got two pieces out, and I put it there, and I'm, on, I'm getting up on a chair so I can work on the counter. And then I, you know, where's the, and, and I think all we had was salami, so I was going to make her a salami sandwich, all I could find. So I go to, I, you know, I have to go and ask each time, each step I'm asking, where's the, you know, where's the butter, and where's the, and I, I'm just making a mess of this, you know. And finally, I just couldn't do it. And so this went on. It probably took me an hour to go back and forth because she was way down the hall. And so finally I just said, I started crying. I said, I can't do it. And my mother just laughed. She didn't say a word to me. She didn't say, thanks for trying. She just laughed. And I carry that memory with me forever because, you know, it was, it was not at a boy or thanks for trying. It was just laughter. And I think she, what, I, what I thought at the time was she was just, you know, for me, what I took on. So I, what I created from that, what I made up from that was I'm not capable enough I'm not there's something wrong with me I'm a disappointment I'm a disappointment because I couldn't give the woman of the number one woman of my life what she wanted and she never did any no conversation she just laughed I think she finally got out of bed and went and got made her own sandwich but you carry those stories with you and so I've rescripted that and realized you know what her laughter was just appreciation it was the, you know it was not about me being incapable but you carry those things why? Why would we care? I made, I made that up. I made the whole story up. And then I had made other stories along the way. And well, I'm a disappointment. So let's take this on and I'll find a way to disappoint you too. Anybody here need somebody to come disappoint them? Give me, I'll give you my card. You know, but we carry those stories with us. And we're just making stuff up. And it's like, stop it. Did you bring your best? Yes, I did. Did you give it everything you had? Yes, I did. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And so, and so there's a quality. So the story I made up, that has carried me so far to take things on and to learn, to learn how to be a carpenter, to learn how to do drywall and electrical and all of the various things you have to do to make a living in this world when I was a building contractor, to learn scripts when I was pursuing my acting. I could learn and remember anything. I got a call one time from a group of people. They were doing a play that I'd done two years earlier. They called me up and said, one of the actors is sick. Can you come in and do the role? I said, yeah, I went in. I knew all the lines still. And this guy came up to me afterwards and said, how do you know these lines still? I said, I don't know. I just memorized them a long time ago. He said, you should go to medical school. I'm like, who, me? But it was, it's that, you, you, know, you know, we don't realize because it's me. Well, I'm a disappointment. How could I go to medical school? How could I be, how could I be brilliant? But we make this stuff up. And what I know is, I don't want to live my life with that anymore. You know what I mean? Those little things that just, just grab us, and then we, we, we build a whole life around them. So the Q process that we're talking about, so it's opening the door in the inside. And the Q process that, well, a beautiful quote from Jesus. And he was, he was talking about this. He said, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He was talking about losing the egoic to step into the divine. He was talking about the Christ consciousness. I mean, he's all over this stuff. When you start to, when the, when the, the lights go on and you lift the veil, there it is. Dr. Holmes said it. He said we must separate when you talk about Carl Jung being able to sit with anyone as the, as the, the practitioner, as the, the mentor. He said we must separate the act from the actor. Separate the act from the actress. Talking to a minister friend of mine recently, and she was in practitioner training with Michael Beckwith. And so you pick you pick different scenarios out of a basket in practitioner class, and then you do prayer work. And she got uh, child abuser, and she said, "I can't pray for a child abuser. I can't do that." And Michael Beckwith looked at her and said, "There's the door. It's right there. 
And she said, what do you mean? This is, this is horrible. And he just said, there's the door. If you're not able to sit with someone and do prayer work, despite the conditions, you can't be a practitioner. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? But that's what we're called to be. To separate the act from the actor because everyone, everyone is divine. Even the ones that tre- tempt us not to love them. And it's so important. So we're, we're, we have, uh, as I mentioned, Laura and I have been involved with the Q process. And I'm really delighted. We've been working with Dr. Reverend Dr. Gary Simmons, who's, who's just a, 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 a brilliant man. And he will be with us October uh, 13th, 14th, and 15th. He'll be here on that Sunday. I'll be here as well. But on the 14th, we're going to offer the Q process to anyone that's interested. It's 21 days. There's, there's um, debriefing every seven days with Dr. Gary. Laura and I have gone through this exact process. And I'll tell you why. Because from my heart of hearts, I've watched what this has done for me. I've watched how those little incidents of the sandwich that I didn't make, all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, my mom, I mean, she wasn't judging me, she wasn't criticizing me, but I made up a story of all those little pieces have been bubbling up for me for the last month. And I've been processing them and I have found ways kinesthetically to process, to release the, because it's trapped energy. And I'll tell you, it has made such a difference in our lives and in our home. There's a grace, there's a love. The interesting thing I'll talk about next week, too, is we think this oneness, we lose our individuality. J.R. Uh, de Chardin wrote extensively about this, and I have this material already prepared. But he said that the, the, the paradox is, is that when we move greater and greater into that sense of oneness, we become even more unique because we're living in the wholeness of life when we're expressing our gifts, gifts so powerfully. So the reason that we look at this stuff and dive in is so that we can live in the freedom and express our gifts and our talents more fully because the shadow is also the golden shadow. And, and as, as Robert Johnson, who's a therapist, says, it is so much easier for people to live from their darkness than to live from their greatness because the other part of the shadow is that, the, that unique, beautiful brilliance that each and every one of us has. But he said in his work with patients over the years, it's always easier for people to be the bum than the genius. But we need more geniuses on the planet. And that is within you and it's within me. And it's time that we do this work. If we truly love ourselves and love our families and love this planet and want to see tomorrow in a, in a way and to give birth to the greater yet to be why we're here, then this is the work I think that is our opportunity. It's not a burden. And this work takes about, I don't know, I probably spend 15, 20 minutes a day. I still do in my sheets. I did my 21 days. I said, man, I'm going to keep going. I sit down every night before I go to bed and I do a sheet. Because when I get triggered, I write about what triggered me that day. Or whatever it is. And I write about it and then I talk about, and where in your childhood did that happen? Hmm, it happened here. And it's beautiful because it's very, very systematic. You want to, and the on-ramp for it, which is beautiful here with our classes, is we've got Lewis. I just saw Lewis come in. He's teaching the heart math again. The heart is the portal. The heart is the portal. There's Lewis over there. Lewis, would you stand up? Lewis teaches heart math. He's right there. Let's pick on Lewis for a second. Thank you, Lewis, for that. So I'm, I'm just going to tell you, the reason that I'm pitching this so hard is because I want that for you. I've, look, I've watched this over and over again. i watched people come in for years with the same issue. And we pray and we pray and we pray. But, but, but all we do is we get stuck in translation rather than transformation. And there are ways to do this now. In fact, there's no more time to waste. We have eternity in that one more day to waste. And from my, the bottom of my heart, that's what I want for you. I want it for everyone. Because as I look out in the world of chaos and anger and competition and lack and, and selfishness and greed, it's like, man, oh man, 
this isn't the way. This is not what we stand for as a community, not as people. I'm going to invite you just for a moment as I conclude to put your hand over your heart. If you'll be so generous with your awareness in this moment. And just bless yourself with compassion and with love. Just let compassion and love fill you. Open your heart. That's a beautiful thing. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being willing to wake up and to start to master observation, to include all of yourself, to be that brilliant master, to look at all your stories, all of the things that you've pushed away that embarrass you or bring you to shame and realize that's part of me too. And the divinity within me, in looking at it and bringing light to it, it is transformed. And then I stand, as Jesus said, as the light of the world. For this I give thanks, and so it is. Thank you. Blessings.